We'd like to welcome you back to our current event in weekly Bible study for June 19th, 2011. And this is going to be a continuation of the uh, study we started regarding hidden Luciferians, in particularly in American culture and in the music industry and in ministry and these types of things. So we're going to be continuing along with the Michael W. Smith expose. Uh, shifting gears a little bit here, yet another coded occult symbol is currently displayed as of December of 2000, as of December of 07 at the official Michael W. Smith website, I guess. It is the so-called infinity symbol, which we're going to be talking more about. It looks like a sideways number eight and is normally associated with mathematical concepts, though it is not well known for its occult significance as, say, the eye of Horus or the broken cross or the peace symbol, which we talked about Last week, it is clearly established occult symbol nonetheless. Below you will see an example of the ancient occult alchemy symbol for brimstone. It incorporates both the double cross of Lorraine as well as an infinity symbol at the bottom. Both are occult symbols of their own right. It's, it's like a double cross um, symbol on top of, an, of a sideways infinity sign. By the way, the corporate logos for Nabisco and Exxon also both utilize the Cross of Lorraine in their design. And we give you the, the um, Exxon sign and also the Nabisco sign. And they have this Cross of Lorraine, and yet it's providing another indication that the occultism or Luciferianism is a religion, religion cult for the elite. I mean, who owns these big multinational corporate companies? You know, some normal guy that just kind of stumbled onto stuff? No, they're high-level elitist, very, very rich families, typically, that own these types of companies. And so what they're doing is they're, is they're communicating their occult affiliations and their occult allegiances through their logos. Let's go further here. Uh, of course, the study of the occult symbolism and hundreds of corporate logos, Hollywood logos, and many other places is another whole world in and of itself. This will be touched on throughout this report. Back to the examination of Michael W. Smith. Below is yet another occult depiction of the infinity symbol on a tarot card referred to as the magician. A lot of people call them tarot cards. I believe the actual proper pronunciation is tarot. And below that, the 2007 Christmas CD from Smith, which is a different Christmas CD. Just can't make enough of these Winter Wonderland, celebrating old Saturnalia, the birth of the, of the uh, Tammuz, the sun god, Christmas CDs. Anyway, uh, another Christmas CD from Smith, as you can see, which incorporates the infinity symbol twice. And again, it's the you can see a affinity symbol uh, two times, uh, both above and below Michael W. Smith's name. And it's Michael W. Smith. It's a wonderful Christmas. Isn't that special? Uh, currently, the CD is advertised at the Michael W. Smith website, and um, although the site is frequently altered. Anyway, so you see both these symbols here, this infinity symbol on the tarot card over a magician's head, and then you have the infinity symbols. I mean, it's like every CD cover this guy releases pretty much has some type of occult symbolism here. And then I give you a link to my teaching on Xmas, the biggest pagan holiday slash holy day of the year. That word holiday is, for a pagan, a holy day. 
That's what it originally was intended for. Or that's what it originally was when it was known as Saturnalia, back when the Romans celebrated it, before it was Christianized by the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, um, you know, probably around four to 500 A.D., and they put this Christian-like veneer on a pagan holiday and called it Christmas. Before, it was always known as the birth of the sun god, Tammuz. But they changed it to the birth of the son of God, Jesus Christ. They tried to. They never, it won't work in God's eyes, but that's how they pulled, that's how the Catholic Church has pulled the, world, the wool over the Christian masses' eyes, essentially. So, I'll give you the link there if you want to know more about that. Teaching. Finally, an examination of Michael W. Smith is not complete until we've taken a closer look at Smith's youth club. Ah, yes. Rock Town. Like rock and roll, you know. Located in Smith's hometown of Nashville, he and the staff of Rock Town have consistently represented this place to be a Christian-oriented safe haven where Christian parents can send their kids for wholesome and uplifting entertainment. In light of this evidence that is absolutely to the contrary, it is astounding to me that Smith and his people can get away with this. But see, the church, for the most part, is so asleep that, well, whatever, uh, it's Michael W. Smith that has to be good, just send the kiddies off away to, to Rocktown to get defiled. You know, it's all good. You know. The fact of the matter is that Rocktown has hosted a long list of overtly satanic rock bands. I repeat, Michael W. Smith's Rocktown, which is about a 20-minute drive from Smith's home, outside Nashville, has hosted a huge array of overtly satanic, occultic rock bands, which feature pornographic and hardcore obscenity-laced lyrics in their songs. If you have trouble believing this, in just a moment I am going to link you to a Christian website that is specifically focused on researching Rocktown. There, you will be able to document for yourself the true nature and character of these many occultic rock bands. And I'm going to give you a whole bunch of pictures in this PDF of the actual posters that have been put up at Rocktown to advertise these totally unbelievably satanic bands. Um, and he's also going to read a number, we're going to read a number of excerpts from their gut-wrenching, perverted, satanic song lyrics. I couldn't even bear to place them directly in this report. You'll have to link over there and see it for yourself. I mean, this stuff's so bad, it's not even appropriate to read, in other words. As of this writing, I have yet to figure out just how Rocktown has pulled this off. Well, I, the church is asleep. For the most part. The church is firmly, squarely embracing the strong delusion. And I don't mean like the true born-again Bible-believing remnant that really is trying to seek out truth and really trying to be separate from the world. I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about trying to come down on every single... I'm talking about, for the most part, the people that would identify themselves as Christians, I should say. They're just clueless. And most Christians have so much of the world in their own life that this is not a big stretch for them. They're, they're so, they're, their lives are so leavened on, on so many different levels that this is really just par for the course, I guess. You know, and then you have the demonic delusion and that type of thing, that this deceiving people. Uh, 
It, it may be a sign of the times that Christian discernment is so utterly lacking, but there also appears to be some rather skillful misdirection going on. Misleading the public statements uh, from Smith, mis- misleading statements from Michael W. Smith and other staff members, which give the impression this place is just short of being a, a Sunday school picnic club or something of that nature. Here are some examples of the many astonishingly, horrendously blood-soaked posters which advertise the concerts being held at Rocktown on a regular basis. Here's one. Rocktown presents. It's the band Gore. Always a good sign when you have a band named Gore. Um, with uh, John Doe Jersey. Gore comes with John Doe Jersey, Love Fire, and Big Wig Ill Will. Some of my favorite all-time bands. I don't know about you guys. Sorry, just kidding. Anyway, that was on December 28th at 7 p.m. It was 5 bucks to get in. It was a cheap, cheap price to get in, you know. At least they weren't trying to gouge on that. Here's another one. Oh, good. It's on Friday the 13th. April, Friday the 13th. Okay. No, no, uh, I'm sure there's no um, accident there. Through a Glass. It's called Through a Glass Vertigo, Wake the Day. Hope is a thing with feathers. Asteria Grace I Am. It's just like this cryptic writing. Now that's six bucks to get in. And that one, uh, I forgot to give you the description of the last one. You can you can click on the PDF to see this. The, the last one was a picture of like this demonic baby with fang teeth and a big long, I think it's forked tongue, and gigantic ears. It would like put Spock to shame on Star Trek. Anyway, yeah, he, he's, he's, that's Gore, the band Gore. And then the next one, it's this head in this glass, and his neck is in the glass. He's all skeletalized, he's all eaten away, it's demonic, and he's like looking off to the side, and he's all, I mean, the thing looks like a, 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 like a zombie head in a glass. Okay, and, and he's got his, his, his eyes are there, and he's got his mouth open like he's wanting to devour something. And then the next one is Kill Whitney Dead Band, uh, the demonstration of war tyrants. And this one, you see this doll, this doll that's been like dragged through the dirt, and he's laying there like in this dead position. And his dirty feet are in the forefront of the of this uh, banner. Now that one's twelve bucks to get in. So now we went from five to six to twelve. Now you know they're starting to get a little greedy here. So then we have the next band going to Rocktown. And you can see the Rocktown logo on all of these banners. Okay? Michael W. Smith approved. Uh, here's another one. Bloodware. This is Saturday, August 18th, 8 p.m. And then went back down to 5 bucks. And it's this demonic-looking, creepy uh, puppet thing that's... Staring at you, and it looks like he's got serpents for arms, or some kind of serpentine thing for both arms. And it's called, with malfeasant, malfeasant, which is a uh, not a good word, under a bear's body, and infused with darkness. I don't know, it's so, so cryptic, everything on these... Album covers. I mean, they're just these are just Satanists coming in performing. You know, here's the next album uh, or banner promoting Rocktown. Uh, a promised threat. Rocktown presents 
a promised threat with no remorse within the ruins of the heartland, the nightmare affair beyond all hope. And it has this woman with a chain. She's kind of looking up and she's got a chain going through the middle of her forehead. And then it goes all the way down this and there's a mere reflection of the of the top portion of this, and there's a mere reflection on the bottom, and the chain appears to be going through both foreheads, both top and below, and she's got some type of nasty bug on her face that looks like it's going into her nose, and her throat looks like it's kind of ripped open. Um, other than that, it's all good. It's all good, wholesome, clean, fun. Nothing to get alarmed about. Nothing to see here, folks. You know... Uh, I know I'm just making a mountain out of a molehill again. And then the last one is called Loka Yada, Blinded Nightly uh, Through So Murderous Set set to Flames. It's very weird. They were there June 29th. It was five bucks. Uh, Some very, uh, just totally satanic images. Totally... Satanic images. I mean, this is the type of stuff you'd expect to see at a Marilyn Manson concert. This type of garbage. But you're seeing it. It's, it's, as long as we paint a Christian veneer on it, it's all good, right? It's Michael W. Smith, Mr. Wholesome. You know. Chevrolet and apple pie. Michael W. Smith. It's all good. Anyway, starting, um, starting with the stop top poster left, we have gore. With some sort of grotesque grotesque demon child depicted, and then Kill Whitney Dead, Blood Wake. What in the world is going on here? In the bottom on the left, here's something about seeing a depiction of a young woman with a chain plugged into, plunged into her head, a meat hook coming out of the front of her face. Oh, it's a meat hook. I thought it was a bug. And a slashed body throat. And then the promised threat poster. That doesn't make me think about... None of this really typically makes me think about the message of Jesus Christ and salvation and, you know, I don't know about you, but I really don't, you know, feel that vibe here. I don't know about you guys. To the right of that, if you look at the Locata poster for a concert which was recently held in Rocktown, 2007, you will notice, unfortunately, in the upper right corner of this poster, a photo which is blatantly suggestive of sexual behavior. You can't see anything, but it's blatantly suggestive. I would ask Michael W. Smith, what is this? What are you doing at Rocktown? Why would you allow or promote such things? I mean, fair questions, I would say. The problem is, he has been asked, Rocktown has been approached, there has been no response. Below is the official logo for Goat Blaster, Probably my favorite one of them all. One of the one of the specific rock bands that have performed at Rocktown. Goat Blaster is basically the Goat of Mendez. It's a pentagram in a circle with the Goat of Mendez in the middle, and it's they call themselves Goat Blaster, like the Goat of Mendez. See, most people wouldn't understand. They look at this and they would say, "Oh, well, maybe that's a pentagram," but they don't understand that's actually Baphomet or the Goat of Mendez. It's essentially Lucifer. It's it's Lucifer depicted in, in, in with a goat head with an androgynous body with both male and female parts. They don't show that part. They just show the goat head in a pentagram. I mean, how much worse can you get? 
This is a satanic band with a blatantly satanic logo and a satanic pentagram, a satanic goat's head, and a satanic pornographic song lyrics. And they perform at Rockdown. We can't even read the lyrics. I would ask fellow believers to discern something here. I mean, come on. I mean, this is just so flagrant at this point. I mean, I mean, anybody... You need, if you've got anything Michael W. Smith related, I would say if you've got anything Christian rock related, if you want to try to err on the side of safety, get rid of it. Preferably burn it. But I feel so good when I listen to it. It makes me happy inside. Bluebird's on my shoulder. Jiminy Cricket. You know, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you're not erring on the side of safety. You're not abstaining from all appearance of, of evil at this point. I, I would just, you know, if you're unsure about it, I would get rid of it. You know, and I mean, I would say the Christian rock industry is totally infiltrated at this point. I mean, hey, listen, if it's infiltrated with some, you know, all-American, Richie Cunningham, you know, apple pie and baseball and Chevrolet kind of guy like Michael W. Smith, if they've done it with this guy, okay, who is that, I'm not saying he is now. I really don't follow Christian rock at all because I don't listen to it. But if he's if he's if they've got to him at that level, they're they're getting to the levels underneath, just like they are in the rock music industry. I don't know if you saw that thing I, I saw about Elvis, where where I mean, even when the guy was singing gospel, he was he was totally into these ascended masters. He named his gospel group the Voice because it was titled after the occult periodical called The Voice of the Ages. He was told, I mean, when he died on the toilet, when he died on the toilet, when his body got, when, when the, the woman that he was with that night said that, and I'm not sure if it was his wife or who it was, but she said that when he went into the toilet to go to the bathroom, great way to die, he was reading and they gave the actual name of the occult book that he was reading. The guy was totally a, a, obsessed with the Ascended Masters. You know why he wore all those those big costumes where he had those big collars and he'd come out like, that was like when he got kind of like overweight and real like, you know. Um, he would come out in those big, you know, white outfits with sparkles and those big collars. He was trying to actually imitate his Ascended Masters that he was in communication with. A lot of the way times they, and they actually showed one of the Ascended Masters he was trying to dress like. When he died on the toilet, he went in there with an occult book in his hand, and they actually, in, in, in the interview that I had sent out via the email, they actually gave you the name of the occult book. And when his bodyguard found him the next day, he was there, you know, the occult book I believe was on the floor, he's bent over on the toilet, his eyes were, I don't know if they were blue or whatever, his tongue was black, and he'd bitten it half off. Isn't it ironic that the very instrument of Elvis that Satan used most mightily to deceive the masses, which was his tongue, he bit off, halfway bit off when he died. And in and, and this bloated, you know, just the guy had really let himself go. Totally, they said that when they did an autopsy on him, they had never seen somebody with so many different drugs in their system. So much different pharmacia, which is where we derive the root word for sorcery from, in, in a person's system as they had ever seen in Elvis when he died. 
totally taken over pharmacia, totally taken over with the occult. He was heavily involved in martial arts, heavily involved with occult readings and these, these ascended masters, really believed that he was the second coming of Jesus Christ. It was a religion. He believed that he could, he could actually take people. He, people could get saved through him. There's a lot of evidence to that. He dies reading an occult book after he'd just taken tons more meds and pharmacia, bites half his tongue off, and this just this, this terrible state, you know, that, that physically that he was in at the end of his life. I think it was just satanic. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was God's judgment on his lifestyle. You know, it was Satan coming back to collect. So, anyway, uh, I really got off track there, but... Um, okay, as I have described... Uh, as I had described, a fellow researcher and friend of mine has put together a study of Rocktown and has posted a lengthy analysis at his site. He displays dozens of examples of these Rocktown uh, poster advertisements and... I believe there's a link here that you can click on. Okay, so I, uh, I just wanted to make sure... I stopped for a second. I wanted to make sure the link was highlighted. The link is entitled Only the Facts, and it's a blue link. It'll be on page... Probably about page 17 of the study of the PDF for Contending for Truth. You can find it at contendingfortruth.com on June 19th, 2011. And he displays in this link dozens of examples of these Rocktown advertising posters with all these obscene, perverted, occult-tinged uh, rock bands being promoted. He then takes up a close and personal look at the members of these bands. I can't, I can't even imagine. And provides a number of excerpts from song lyrics and it is not for the faint of heart. As I stated at the outset, there is a huge story behind all of this. I, I mean, And again, we're only giving you the surface of this. I mean, if you wanted to delve into this deeper, there's plenty more proof just in this one link I provide you. But hopefully you've seen enough to know this is some really satanic stuff. Uh, he then takes up a close and personal look at the members of the bands. Uh, going further, says, I can tell you there are many more examples of this kind of covert occultism in evangelical church circles and organizations. In fact, there are indications of many potential Luciferians who seem to have deliberately inserted themselves into conservative Christian culture. I would say Michael W. Smith would be a, a very highly likely candidate at this point. Many of these are names you would recognize. In my next chapter, I will be presenting evidence connected to Christian pop singers, singer and TV host Al Denson, as well as author-teacher Kay Arthur. Now, we're not going to get to that this week, but um, hopefully next week. Again, uh, some folks have wondered whether all this occult symbolism is possibly being displayed without Smith or Denison or K. Arthur's knowledge. You can certainly press that question to your own satisfaction. One thing to keep in mind, if you were to theorize that Smith, Arthur, or Denson have not been personally involved in all of this, we're still looking at evidence of a huge infiltration of Satanists into the church world. No way would I even give them that much credit. There is no way that you could convince me at this point that Michael W. Smith doesn't know what he's doing. No, there is no way. They're not innocent. They're not just, oh, whatever, willing stooges. I believe they're firmly part of this. And um, like I had said, I had 
seen that 20 hours of footage on these Satanists and these churches that I talked about last week. And I may actually, I am actually going to be getting that. Uh, hopefully, we'll try to make that available sometime in the near future on various different sites. And um, if somebody has a site up on like YouTube or places where they put up videos on the internet, uh, go ahead and email me. And I'm in the process of, I'll try to get you a copy of that thing if you want to try to promote it. And um, the last time I sent out my only copy, and this time I will not do that again. Uh, But anyway, that's, that's in the near future here. So I just want to make a quick announcement on that. So, going further here, uh, let's see here. Uh, think about it. Either it is, either it is Smith Denison or Arthur or hundreds like them, an army of inf- or an army of infiltrators who have somehow been able to surround them without their knowledge. Come on, I mean, can you really say that, that these people are all innocent? No, no. I think they're at the spear tip. Either way, this is an extremely serious situation. If you choose to read more extensively through this research material I provide, you will see that I too consider all possibilities as I encounter these many scenarios. For now, I will make a long story short and say that there are a number of reasons this not personally involved theory doesn't hold up too well. One of the factors to consider um, is in researching the occult world, it becomes apparent that there is a very much a point of pride among occultists that they undergo this flag flying and self-identification process. In meaning to a anybody that's an occultist, if you would have put all these album covers in front of an occultist that knew what they were looking at, they would have probably been rolling in laughter by the end of the thing. I mean, just how flagrant all of these covers are. And you have to understand that it is a point of pride among occultists that they undergo this flag-flying and self-identification process to other occultists, to other people that know what they're looking at, while the other people that are actually buying this stuff are actually totally ignorant of it. They, they, they love that. Uh, an intrinsic part of occultism is to display coded symbolism. It is literally a part of their culture. One gets the distant, distinct impression it is almost as though they are vying as to, ha- as to who can be the most daring or the most creative in sending these messages of allegiance to their master Lucifer. Therefore, as you go along in this research of the occult world, you begin to realize there is a likelihood the occultists would be very reluctant to misidentify someone as a faithful Luciferian who, who was not such as like a prank, and thus cause confusion and a weakening and devaluing of their whole self-identification culture. So, let's just kind of hit on that point one more time. The occult world, um, occultists would be very reluctant to misidentify someone as a faithful Luciferian who was not such, and thus causing confusion and a weakening and a devaluing of their whole self-identification culture. They wouldn't want to do that. Clearly, these album covers that we've just looked at alone, I mean, we haven't looked at, and then we looked at Rocktown, which has also to do with a lot with music, obviously. 
clearly, just from that standpoint alone, they're sending a clear message that these people are Satanists, or Luciferians, or whatever you want to call them. The other fact to consider, if only fellow occultists, with very few exceptions, are recognizing the significance of symbolism, where is there any purpose in misidentifying or mislabeling someone who is a non-Luciferian? No one would suffer damage to their credibility or reputation simply because the general community isn't recognizing any of its symbolism in the first place. The pressing question here is as to what actual strategy, as to what their actual strategy might be, whereby these hidden occultists are engaging in a very strange, very concerted effort to infiltrate American conservative Christian culture. Of course, the biblical theological answer is simple. The devil seeks to deceive. Now, uh, I also give you a link here of a video I saw a long, long time ago that got me looking at this specific subject by Al Neal, and this was when he spoke at the Prophecy Club a long time ago, and this is part one, I believe part twos are there as well, and three and four. And he goes and he shows you all this occult symbolism. Now this is from like the 80s and the early 90s. That, that was out there. Flagrant corporate logos. Drove all over the country. And, and, and tore out all kind of ads for magazines and stuff like that. He did a really good job documenting this. This stuff is how occultists communicate with one another um, in a, on a mass scale. As, as to a more specific explanation regarding this scenario, there is a long answer and a short answer. The long answer is what you'll be looking over at the next many chapters. We will need to span the globe in search of for more evidence. But there is also a short answer, and it is found in Jesus' statements in Matthew 24. The shorter version, though, tends to create difficulties for many folks because of the tragic confusion which has swirled around the Olivet Discourse, pass- Olivet Discourse passages in recent decades particularly in the American church culture. A few paragraphs ago, I indicated that there is a trap which is being set for those few um, Christians for whom the Olivet Discourse is not some sort of strange, off-limits mystery zone. One can clearly see how in the passage, um, Matthew 24 as well as in Mark and Luke, Jesus provides us with a very clear, straightforward answer. In anticipation of a time of panic and confusion, which occurs at a particular point in the last days, these covert occultists sometimes also referred to as false prophets in the Olivet Discourse, have pre-positioned themselves within the church community in order to lure millions of erstwhile Christ followers to their doom. Straight through the gates of hell, a tragedy of immense proportions. Let's read some. Matthew 24, 11. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Now that's regarding the days and times we're living in in the end times here. Jesus Christ said many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. Deception is going to be the very earmark of the day and times we're living in. Jude, uh, verse 1-3 says, Beloved, um, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Next verse. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness. Which is like a license to sin, like a license, the, turning the grace of God into like, into like a license to sin and practice all manner of perversity and evilness. And denying 
the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, some could say, yeah, but I know people that got saved or whatever through the, you know, whatever. Through a concert or something. Michael W. Smith, let's say. Okay. I Okay. Let's say that that supposedly happened. Okay. And I'm going to chime in on that one in a second. Actions speak louder than words. All of the stuff we've shown you about Michael Smith is the main way, at least one of the main ways, in which he has denied our only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? You know, words are words. Okay? Actions are actions. Okay? So, a lot of people, the Bible says, um, Wherefore, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, meaning their own fleshly carnal desires, and by good words, by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. Good word. Well, it sounded good. That's Romans verse uh, Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. I remember when I was in the Pentecostal church, and there was one of these big rock bands, probably one of the rock bands we're going to talk about, I forget which one it was, came to this big charismatic church I was at. And I went there that night to be one of the people that when they did like the altar call thing, where people came down, supposedly all these people get saved, okay? So... We're there, we're kind of like, the, the concert's going on inside, and you're boom, 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 you know, the bass is going, and, and everybody's going nuts and crazy, and, and, and all of us prayer warriors are outside, you know, praying, and, and um, then, you know, the concert ends, and they have their big altar call thing, and then they send all these people that get supposedly, well, want to get saved, they send them to the back room, where all these people that are there to pray for them, and I was one of them. So... I can remember distinctively there was this big room of people and I thought, oh man, we're going to have, this is going to just explode our church. This is going to be like the turning point of this whole church. I mean, it was a big church anyway, but I thought if if all these people get saved tonight, you know, obviously they're going to be in church the next Sunday, you know, and they're going to they're gonna get saved and then we're going to see a really big conversion and we're going to see this and that. And so... You know, you do this, you go through the rigmarole, and and obviously, I mean, I, I don't remember 100% of what, what went on that exact night, but I remember, you know, I was praying with people and this type of thing, and I thought to myself that the logical byproduct of this Christian rock concert and all these people that supposedly got saved is going to be, we're going to see a big huge spike in church attendance the following Sunday. Now, this was on like a Friday night. So, I mean, it's not like it's only like two days from now. Do you know that Sunday was one of the the lowest um, attendances I had seen in that church since I had been there? And I don't remember seeing one person from that Christian rock concert there or anybody new added to the congregation. Just, just a point to think about. Anyway, um, so the Bible says in Jude that we're supposed to earnestly contend for the faith was with which was once delivered unto the saints, which really, you know, is 
is one of the main reasons that I believe this ministry exists, to try to earnestly contend for the faith. The, the, you know, the, the name of our site, Contending for Truth. Contending for truth. We're trying to earnestly contend for the faith. Why does it say you have to do this? Because certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. It's like the Bible talks about in Hebrews. These were actually vessels of wrath. These were vessels of wrath. Fitted, meaning prepared aforetime for God's destruction. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. I don't really understand that concept. But God has made all things for himself. The Bible says God hath made all things for himself. Yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. I don't quite comprehend that concept. But it's not for me to sit here and, and try to question God. Okay, it's, it's, I'm not saying you can't ask God a question, but I mean... The Bible's clear on that particular topic. And these men were before of old ordained to this condemnation. And godly men turning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, of our, the grace of our God, into lasciviousness, or like a license to sin. Which is what you're seeing here, like, with, obviously with Rocktown. Can you imagine sending your kids to this stuff? Well, it's, 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 it's Michael W. Smith. It's got to be good. And you send them off to these satanic rock bands? That are just totally defiling your, your children? That's what Michael W. Smith is doing. He is turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness when he puts his wicked stamp of approval on this and says, yeah, it's, it's good. We will endorse these, these bands. And when you do this, you deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.10 11 and 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, this is regarding the end times, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So going further, it says, please consider carefully for a moment the shocking implications of Jesus Christ's words in the Olivet Discourse. He's telling us that in the last days there will be those in Christian leadership who are thought of and recognized only as Christians, but who are, behind the scenes, literally satanic, literal Satanists. Now we're going to get back to that, but again... Let me give you a verse that also confirms that. 2 Corinthians 11, 13, 14, and 15. For such are false apostles. This is like Michael W. Smith. This is like this ilk we're talking about. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, meaning that they look as though they're the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness. They appear as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Remember, it says they're Satan's ministers. I really literally believe that this is in reference much of the time to Satanists that have infiltrated Christianity. They're ministers. It doesn't say they're a minister of Hinduism or they're a minister of Zoroastrianism. 
There, they appear as ministers, like a Christian minister of righteousness. And if you were Satan, that's where you would target. If you were trying to do the most damage to the body of Christ. Okay, so it's no marvel that this is happening. And of all times that we've ever lived in, we should be looking more for it now than any other time ever. With all of these warnings Jesus gives, and the warnings in Revelation, and the warnings in the rest of the New Testament regarding the end times, and even in Daniel. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.13, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That word wax means grow. So evil men and seducers are going to grow, and this is regarding the end times, deceiving and being deceived. See, they are deceived themselves, and they're deceiving others. He just falls, this Michael W. Smith is just one of them that falls into this category. And not everything that comes out of their mouth is going to sound unchristian. Most of what they're going to say is going to sound Christian. But remember, a little leaven, or a little bad doctrine, leaveneth the whole lump. Jesus Christ said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which is their doctrine. It was bad doctrine. And when you have all these perverted Bibles out there, these New Age Bibles, that leave out, like in the NIV, for example, sixty-four over 64,000 words, you know, you've got a lot of leavening going on there. You've got words change. I mean, I, I just told you the thing about Lucifer and, and you know, how they, they list him as morning star in the NIV. And it should be son of the morning. And you get confused with the morning star Jesus Christ in Revelation. That's just one example. So, again, the whole point is this is something we should that shouldn't surprise us. We should be looking out for this and warning others whenever possible. Uh, Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So, what did Jesus warn about in the end times in Matthew 24? False prophets. Okay? False prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Well, he looks so nice. He's all American. Apple pie. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles? Is is a good fruit, these album covers, these totally overtly occultic album covers, is a good fruit to have rock town and, and, and have these satanic rock bands performing um, under this Christian veneer? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. How could you or I be fooled into believing a Satanist is a devout Christian? I say again, please consider these matters carefully. The danger is that many of us might think we cannot be fooled. We may think we are unfoolable, which is pride. And when you start thinking that, you're already fooled. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to uh, think that. And we're going we're gonna to give you the verses here. Romans 12.3 For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. Don't get all puffed up. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, Wherefore let every let him that thinketh he, he standeth take heed lest he fall. 
Uh, Hosea 4.1 says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Okay, this would be, I would say, I know it says ye children of Israel, but this would, I would say, equally apply to us in this day and time we're living in. Uh, Hear the word of the Lord, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth. That is a pretty accurate description of America, for the most part. Not all, but for the most part. Because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. The God that is preached in most pulpits, for the most part, is like the big guy in the sky, the heavenly bellhop, you know, you know, name it, claim it type of thing. God of just a God of love. Now, I'm not saying these aren't aren't some attributes of God like love and these types of things, but they're not preaching the full picture. They're leaving out gigantic chunks of God, like His righteousness and uh, the fear of God and these types of things. Therefore, shall thou fall in the day, and the prophet shall also fall with thee in the night. So, this is what I believe is coming to America. Thou shall fall in the day, and the prophet shall fall in the night. Remember, Jesus Christ warned about false prophets. Now, and that goes on so much in charismatic circles in particular. Oh, this prophet. I mean, look at Harold Camping, which just happened there. Another debacle on his end. You know, false prophet extraordinaire. You know, you lived in the Old Testament times, you're a false prophet, you're taken out and stoned. You don't get 400 shots at a prophecy until you get one right, or whatever. Or or you can't get it right, you know, 40% 40% of the time, and have a... No, you're a false prophet. If what you're saying doesn't line up with the word of God, it doesn't come to pass, then you're a false prophet. According to Deuteronomy 18, and then there's a couple chapters ahead of that, it talks about the prophet needs to line up with the word of God as well. Um, so, because there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land, therefore shall thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. I would say this is an an example of the modern day pseudo-Christian church, particularly in America. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Well, isn't the Laodicean church of of Revelation 3, which is an accurate depiction of the church nowadays, they're neither hot nor cold, and they think they're in need of nothing, they're they're rich and they're increased in goods, they're glorying in their shame, like they did in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. As they increased, so they sinned against me, therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priest. And I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. I believe that they eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on their iniquity uh, is more in reference to these prophets and priests that are in reference here. Um, I mean, that's a lot of times the very supposed false shepherd that, you know, we're, ta- we're in reference to here, these false prophets. I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. Going back to the article, it says, if you could just think along with me briefly during the last section of the chapter, I'll, 
I've given a lot of thought as to why so much of the Bible-believing world has has had the wool pulled over their eyes and have not noticed these momentous goings-on and happenings right under our noses. First of all, and again, this has much to do with the massive neglect and obscuring of the Olivet Discourse. Therefore, 99.9% of mainstream Christians have virtually no have virtually zero awareness, for example, of the reality of these false prophets. The idea, and, and the biggest, the biggest thing that's allowed them to perpetuate is, oh, ju- you can't judge. Touch not thou anointed. Touch, the, touch not thou mine anointed. Most of these people that are behind a pulpit, number one, are not even qualified to be pastors, bishops, deacons, elders, whatever capacity that they call them. And they're not qualified on so many different levels most of the time, and that would be a whole other subject to get into. Just just the actual heresy and lukewarmness of a, of a pastor would be enough to disqualify them. So you've got a lot of false shepherds up there. Not all, but I'm saying for the most part, definitely. Uh, so the idea that there might be top Christian leaders who are covertly satanic is an absolutely foreign concept in the conservative American church. It seems obvious to me the reason for this is that the central passage which addresses this phenomenon, the Olivet Discourse, is virtually forbidden scripture. The current state of the Laodicean church, uh, if we go to Isaiah 59, verses 1 through 10 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. It means sins. And your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. So, in other words, uh, if I regard iniquity, the Bible says the Lord will not hear me. So, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, when you have a lot of sin or iniquity, God can't hear your prayers, essentially, is, is the point here. He's hid his face from you, he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. Where is the church calling out for justice, for the most part? Justice for the unborn babies being slaughtered, uh, which would be, I would say, at the top of God's list. Justice regarding the homosexual, perverseness, wickedness, pornography-ridden society that we live in. Uh, which would be probably about second on God's list, particularly the homosexual, uh, bisexual, transgendered movement that's taking over. Where is the church resisting that? We're supposed to resist evil, not let evil overtake us. Not just let lay down and just let it just cascade over us like a big river and become part of the problem. Because if you're not part of the problem, or if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, essentially, most of the time. So, um, God says none calleth for justice. He doesn't like it, in other words, when nobody calls for justice. Nor pleadeth for truth. There's not many people, Christians, that are pleading for justice or for truth. And I'm talking to, you know, people that would name the name, they would call themselves a Christian. They trust in vanity which is true in, as, as true in America as any other place that you could ever probably go, they speak and speak lies, they conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. 
the way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. Oh, we can't judge. Well, that's a big reason why things are so bad. Because there is no judgment in the church. Anything goes. There's no judgment of, you know, anybody. Everybody just lay off one another and we'll just kind of do our thing in one big happy apostate family. You know, there's no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. Now notice, judgment and justice are kind of yoked and linked up here together. Judgment, therefore judgment is far from us. In other words, because there's all this iniquity, there's no true judgment going on. There's no true righteous judgment, I should say. The judgment that's, that's taking place is flawed. It's, it's, it's corrupted. Okay. Neither doth justice overtake us. I mean, this we're we're getting into an absolute lawless state where where the law enforcement. I mean, all of this wicked garbage that's going on in law enforcement, which is supposedly the justice, you know, of of America. They're 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 the you know justice. They're 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 here to um, preserve the peace and preserve justice and these types of things. And that's getting more and more degraded and eroded. And I've, I've went over a lot of those things that are going, I mean, this TSA thing alone, you know, who represents this governmental, I mean, that's just wicked and perverse. And yet they would call themselves, you know, we're the government, we're, we're here to enforce just things. Was well, perverted. But that's what's supposed to happen in a society like this. God lets this happen. Uh, going further, we wait for light, but uphold obscure but behold obscurity for brightness we wait for brightness essentially but we walk in darkness the church for the most part in america that will call themselves christians is walking in darkness we grope for the wall like the blind and we grope as if we had no eyes we stumble at noonday as in the light we are in desolate places as dead men that's pretty much the state of the modern-day pseudo-Christian church in America. I'm not saying that's the state of the remnant, the true remnant of Christians, the true born-again Bible-believing Christians. But for the most part, you know, they're blind. They cannot see. The prince of this world has blinded their eyes that they do not see. Revelation 3.16, So then because, again, the Laodicean church, So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. Remember, take heed, you know, lest you stand, or take heed if you think you stand, lest you fall. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. So you think everything's going good, because of that. And knowest not, that the true, that your true state, that you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind. Remember how it just talked about in the previous verse, that they're blind, they grew up for the wall? Poor and blind and naked. That's how God sees you. I counsel of thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, which is like the trial of your faith, that thou mayest be rich, truly rich in a spiritual sense, and white raiment, which is like the white robes of righteousness, like a righteous lifestyle. And I understand we put on the righteousness of Christ, but we also need to live a righteous life. Through Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Well, I guess the shame of our nakedness can appear if we don't live a righteous life. 
Sounds like to me. It's a warning. This is a warning. And anoint thine eyes with eyesab that thou mayest see. Because most people are walking around totally blind to these types of things. Isaiah 59 verse 11. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. See, they're looking for judgment. True, righteous, good judgment. Which is, in the Bible, always a positive thing. It's not this negative thing, like I said. We always get the, oh, you can't judge, touch not thou anointed. Okay, judge not lest ye be judged. That was when you had a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers. Beyond that, we're supposed to judge. We're supposed to judge righteous judgment. If we don't do that, then leaven, sin, wickedness, iniquity, wolves in sheep's clothing, men who were before ordained to this condemnation... Uh, ministers of Satan that appears as ministers of righteousness, uh, hirelings that have no true love for the flock, if we don't judge, then what happens is is those types of people that I just mentioned, these uh, covert, occult Satanists, many times they're, they, that's the job position they gravitate to, will infiltrate the church because there is no judgment, and they take over, and then you have what we have today, which is the fruit of that takeover, which is basically just about complete. Then you have the whole 501c3 garbage, where the churches have yoked up with the IRS and the government in order to get their secure their uh, tax-exempt status so parishioners can write it off on their taxes, their tithes, much of the time, and also to be seen of all men, because everything's documented. And the Bible says, when you give alms, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And also so that the church can get subsidies from the government. But it, it gets its permission and its right to exist via the government. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Well, that's what the church is doing when it takes on that corporate status. It's yoking itself up with the same wicked government that we've mentioned. And it's only getting more wicked by the day. This is the same government that is going to, in trying to move us headlong into the new world order. Into the one world system. Into the coming one world religion, political system, economic system, currency, and religion. Why do you want to be on that train? You want to be on the same train as all that? And, and the 501c3 churches are on the same train. They're on the same boat going in the same direction. And they're all going to be assimilated. Just like the Borg on Star Trek. It's like the Borg. The Antichrist system is going to assimilate these 501c3 churches. So you better get off now. Well, bless God, they don't tell me what to preach, so I'll, I want the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know what? There's going to come a day when Caesar's going to call in the chips. And he's already, and the thing is, is you don't even know what's happening in your church on a spiritual level when you take on that status. You have no clue. Because you can't see the devils or demons unless you got your third eye opened. If you got your third eye opened as a pastor, you're probably already a Satanist. <laughs> I mean, stands to reason, kind of. I've done several teachings on this 501c3 issue and just key in 501c3 on the right side of the search bar on contendingfortruth.com because that, that subject's been coming up a lot lately. I heard that Michael Hoggard is endorsing and, and I had a listener yesterday tell me that he has a sermon specifically told me the date of it where he is totally preaching Romans 13 submit to the government essentially. 501c3. I have a whole teachings on Romans 13 and unlimited subservience to the government. Where do we draw the line? And breaking down that portion of scripture. 
It's obvious to see that a good government that is actually bearing the sword of God is not a tear to good works. The way it is now, our government is getting more and more increasingly a tear to good works. If they're a tear to good works, that verse does not apply to the government. I mean, where do you draw the line? Do you know Romans 13 was the very verse that Hitler used to get all of the Germans to submit, and the, the, the German Christians to submit to what he was doing in Nazi Germany? The extermination of, of, of the Jews and, and all these other people that he killed? He used Romans 13 as, as the very proof scripture. He told the priests and, and, and the pastors to preach that, to submit to the government. It was the very same thing Hitler used, and it's being done again today. And you got the church now yoking up with FEMA and Homeland Security. And I've done I've, these teachings, just key in 501c3. Huge issue there, alone. There's no way you can cover it all. How the church has been leavened. Now, and I'm not saying this because I think I'm Mr. Perfect and I got everything figured out. Okay, I'm just stating the obvious. You know? So, uh, going back to this portion of Scripture, we, um, we, we roar all like bears and mourn like, soar like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. There's no true righteous judgment going on, particularly in the church right now. Not, not in mass. Okay, And then, he says, but there is none for salvation. In other words, we look for salvation, but it is far off from us. I really doubt there's very many true conversions being taken place, particularly in America. When, when there's no true righteous judgment in the land, when iniquity is the norm rather than the exception, then... A byproduct of that is salvation is going to be far from us. We have a lot of false professions. Easy believism. Well, I said this little prayer and I'm going to just go live like the devil and whatever. Like those guys at that Christian rock concert, those people. Never saw them again. You know. All it was was emotion. It was just heart and emotion that was driving them and probably pressure from, well, everybody else went up, so I'll go up. But, you know, no no true conversion truly took place in their hearts. Remember, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25. Uh, going further with this verse, Isaiah 59.12 says, For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, meaning before God, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord, and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backwards. Notice how, you know, we're always think, oh, judgment, this is terrible. No, no, judgment in biblical terms is good. They wanted good, righteous judgment to be taking place in society, but there is there was none. That's why a big reason why the court system is so corrupt as well. The courts who judge matters, most of them are black-robed devils. That's been my experience. 
Most of them are Freemasons. You go up there and you make the right hand gestures and you stand the right way in some Masonic stance or whatever, yeah, you'll win your case. Corruption has permeated through our society, through our government, through our military. Just watch Beyond Treason if you don't think it's in our military. We fight, oil, we fight wars now to guard the, the, the opium in Afghanistan and secure the oil so Halliburton can pump it out of there and to loot and pillage a lot of these places. I'm not coming down on everybody in the American military. I'm just saying that the actual reasons we're over there are, are um, to feed the war machine. To guard the poppy. They've admitted it on, on camera that they're over there guarding the poppy fields. And they said, well, if, if we didn't do this, the, they, they wouldn't have any, any employment. They couldn't make a living. Oh, okay, that's good. That's a good reason. It's all about money and greed and power. And then the depleted uranium issue. Just look up Beyond Treason on the internet. You'll see many, many people in the military interviewed there. If you, don't think, if you don't think there's wickedness and corruption that's permeated into the military. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but it has. So, going forward, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. So there's no, ju- there's no true righteous judgment. There's no true justice. For truth is fallen in the street. There's very little truth that you can find now. I mean, you, what are you going to do? Get it when you turn the TV on? Get it when you open up the newspaper or a magazine? It's deception everywhere. And equity cannot enter. This is what we should be expecting in the day and time we're living in. Yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. So when you are trying to depart from evil, you've identified all this and you're trying to depart from evil, you're actually making yourself a prey for society. Why? Because you're the odd man out. You wonder why you feel so isolated? This is why. Because most everyone else is deceived and deluded, including people that call themselves Christians. He that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. That's When you have a society like this, that's the people that depart from evil will actually be the targets then become the targets. And the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Sounds like God highly values righteous judgment. He wanted his people to judge righteous judgment. But there was none. There's none in the churches. I can tell you that. Hardly any. How many churches practice church discipline? Well, if they did, they'd have to start with the pastor. If they did, they'd have to start with getting rid of their 501c3 status and throwing out those false Bible versions and bringing in all the Christian rock into the churches and all the other worldly garbage that's going on and getting the women pastors out of the pulpits. There's no Bible for women pastors. I'm sorry, but there's not. I've done a whole teaching on that. Just keying the word woman. And it's not chauvinistic. It's just what the Bible says. I'm not trying to be chauvinistic. It's basically what women can do for the Lord. The the qualifications for a pastor, it says it, a bishop, pastor, deacon, elder, spiritual overseer, essentially. They have to be the husband of one wife. I was at an independent, fundamental, King James-only, unregistered Baptist church, and they were trying to make me a deacon. 
And I told him, I'm like, that's all nice and everything, but I am not the husband of one wife. You know, my wife left me. <laughs> Essentially, that's what happened. She left me, she divorced me, she went, and she was already in the way of the world beyond about anything I've ever seen. I'm not qualified to be any of that. I'm not. That's why I don't call myself pastor, bishop, deacon, elder, any of that stuff. I'm not qualified. I'm a watchman. That's all I call myself, watchman. So, you know, but that, that stuff's going on all over. I mean, you got all these, these, these women up there, like Monica Denningham, and, a lot of, and they're, they're up there doing full Bible studies. Who believes in, like, Mother God. Joyce, uh, um, what's Joyce Meyer? I, I call her the Colonel. She, she looks like she should have a riding crop dressed up in, like, with a, a, one of those helmets like Patton wore. The way she barks out orders. <laughs> it's sickening. I can't even watch that woman for five minutes. I can't. I just, it's just so out of order. It is so wrong. And it's not because I'm a chauvinistic pig. I'm telling you, it's just what the Bible clearly says. There's so much garbage going on in the church that is passed off because there's no judgment in the church. So the church is in the shape that it's in. Totally in apostasy. Totally in strong delusion for the most part. Yoked up with the government. Reading false Bible versions. Name it, claim it. Women pastors, unqualified pastors, leading a blinded flock. If the blind lead at the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. Taking no real stance for the cause of righteousness, because if they did that, they'd probably lose a lot of uh, people, because people don't like hard preaching. People don't really want to take a stand on a lot of things. And not only that, if they started speaking out on, on political issues and against abortion and these types of things and were being really, really vocal about it, for the most part, I'm not saying all, they would very, very much risk losing their 501c3 status because there's only certain things you're supposed to talk about to maintain that status according to the IRS bylaws by which you have to adhere if you want to maintain that status. I'd say that's the long and the short of it. I'm leaving, all, I'm leaving out all kind of stuff though about other stuff that's going on in the church, that's leavened it. Now you can see why I'm so popular among Christian circles. They just love me. Anyway, uh, I knew my days at Sermon Audio were numbered, because all those guys, most of them were 501c3, you know, type of deal. Type of deal. Uh, anyway, let's go further. So he that departed from evil maketh himself a prey, and the Lord saw, and it, and it displeased him, that there was no judgment. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. An intercessor like a prayer warrior type of person. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him. In other words, in that type of, in that type of environment that you have today in America... Evil is going to overtake things. Iniquity is going to be the norm. And very few people are going to get saved in that environment. Very few. Therefore, his arm, meaning God's arm, brought salvation unto him. The opportunity to get saved in an environment like that is, is going to be far, few and far between. 
Because there's not very many people in the church willing to stand up for justice, truth, equity. There was no intercessor. Meaning there was very few people praying about these issues. A lot of times the reason that, that I do these things is so people can pray about it. They weren't even aware of it. I thought that Michael W. Smith was a man of God. Why would I want to pray that his wickedness be exposed? He's a good man. Exactly. Satan's got you right where he wants you. You'll never give an ounce of prayer about any of it. So that's a big reason why he wants to keep people deceived and deluded. So let's go ahead, and I'm going to go ahead and stop uh, part two here, and we'll go to part three next.